Welcoming in our good friend from GolfNewsNet.com and GNN Radio on iHeart. And coming soon, I believe there's going to be some video options. I noticed uh, Ryan has been bronzing in preparation. Ryan Balanchy joining us now. What's up, Ryan? Hey, guys. How's it going? <laughs> I, I guess I can neither confirm, neither confirm or deny the bronzing comment there. Nevertheless, how's the TV side going? It's going well. Uh, I'll probably be launching in somewhere about six to eight weeks. Nice. Uh, putting a, a really nice lineup together. Very excited about it. Um, we'll kind of slowly launch it out into the universe and uh, once once we get it going. And then probably about a month or two, we'll start our live programming. And uh, we're expecting to stream a variety of professional golf events, some college golf events, uh, air old renditions of different tour events. We've got a show with the Corn Ferry Tour. We're probably going to have one with the LPGA and Epson Tour. Um, so we've got, we've got a lot coming. It's very exciting. It's really cool. I love it. Yeah. Hey, so you mentioned, I saw you posted something social or you were talking about something about out playing golf. And I'm just curious when you're out playing golf this time of year at your club, when you get a chance to go out there, uh, talk about the, the winter rust. What, what's that winter rust like? Cause we saw a little rust from tiger in the first round at the Genesis, um, I happened to have a little round where I had a little 44-33 um, switch between the front nine, back nine, and I just kind of have to laugh it off. I'm like, look, Tiger shanks them sometimes. Sometimes we have really bad rounds. It's like golf, and it's February. So I'm just kind of curious how you, uh, what, your, what your take is on it and how, you're, how, how the rust is affecting you right now. I mean, I, I have learned, I've programmed myself to be able to play at like five minutes notice. Like I, I don't show up and warm up. I, I mean, I live right off the night pole of my club. I still don't even go there early. I walk through the fence two minutes before the tee time, get to the first tee, take a couple practice swings and go. So I've programmed my body to be like, all right, it's golf time. Like you, you don't need any time to warm up. Let's just get this thing going. And uh, that, that's worked out pretty well over the years, but especially in winter golf. I mean, the acclimation period of just getting used to standing in the cold and it gets a little bit windier here in the, the winter than it does in the summer. So you get a little bit more wind. You got to think about that a little bit more. Uh, obviously the colder temperatures knock down how far you're going to hit the ball by five, 10 yards, depending on how cold it is. So you got to club up a little bit. I, I think I go into any kind of winter round or, or one, and I don't play as often, right? I mean, much more variable weather. So maybe once a week at best, usually every other week. Wow. So I, I, you know, I have, <laughs> I have lower expectations, right? Very low. Ex- and I, it's usually only nine holes. So low expectations. Don't expect to hit the ball far. Add an extra club. Swing easy. Don't don't do anything insane. Don't try any hero shots. You're not going to pull them off anyway. And and just play a little bit more conservative brand of golf. And that that kind of keeps the the high and low scores to a, a minimum. It's kind of more of a lots of pars, maybe a birdie, maybe a bogey. Call it a day. And I'm I'm happy with that. Just as long as I can kind of stay fresh, I don't need to go for stuff I can't. I know I'm not going to pull off anyway because I'm not playing regularly, and that that kind of keeps eagles out of the way. You know, par fives maybe, but it also keeps double bogeys out of the way. So I'm I'm willing to live with that. Ah, I like that. I like that. You know, Brian's really good at just jumping on the first tee and hitting a a really good drive also. So that's kind of funny. You know, you also talked about weather and inclement weather and and, uh, wind and all that kind of thing. You know, we've had our share of it on the West Coast. Um, You know, this week at the Genesis, it's a little bit better, more sun, that kind of thing. But tell us a little bit about your thoughts of the West Coast and what's been happening on the West Coast, especially with all the weather. 
I mean, didn't we just go through 10 years where it basically didn't rain in California? And now we're kind of on the other side of that kind of drought period. But now it seems to have maybe not gone fully the other way, but a little bit more the other way where when I was younger, I used to think about the West Coast swing as a time when you could get a deluge of rain like we did last week where you could get a tropical system come by or a atmospheric river. I didn't know that term when I was younger, but atmospheric river come through and dump, you know, five, six, seven, ten inches of rain and you'd get mudslides and all this stuff. And that, that seems to kind of swim back the other way. It, it's just kind of an unfortunate set of timing for the tour, just given where they were playing. I mean, even Phoenix got a lot of rain, like for them. I mean, how often does that happen? Uh, so a kind of unfortunate set of circumstances, but at least the deluge the atmospheric river happened in Los Angeles last week. So Riviera is a little bit softer, plays a little bit longer this week, but a little bit softer, but it, at least it's that. I mean, it, it looks beautiful. It always looks beautiful. Uh, I would be thrilled to watch it any weather, but it, you know, especially in sunny Los Angeles weather. What stands out to you, Ryan? Uh, the fact that Wyndham Clark picked up a win with 54 holes uh, after the the last round was washed out, or the fact that there still seems to be talk about the craziness that ensued at Phoenix. Probably more about Phoenix. I think. I think the tournament probably had been at some kind of tipping point for a while. And it finally ticked off enough pros and it finally got the tournament organizers at the Phoenix open into an awkward enough situation because of the weather again. And they put out a statement that, Hey, we couldn't use a whole lot of our property at TPC Scottsdale property this year because the weather was so bad leading into it in the week of that they had to close off large, large portions to a lot of people. So not only did they have a lot of people that wanted to be there even more than usual, but they had less space to put them. And that led to some pretty disastrous consequences in terms of having to cut off alcohol sales, having to cut off people being able to come into the venue, people getting upset probably about that. And when people get upset, they kind of lash out to do things they're not supposed to do, whether that's heckle golfers or God knows what else behavior. But, uh, you know, that an unfortunate circumstance is going to re- require that tournament to make some changes. And they said they're going to do some things differently. I don't know what exactly that's going to be, but, if I were to try to make a suggestion that no one's asked for, I would say that the the biggest attempt they have to make in kind of separating the golf tournament from the social event is to try to create more places on the property, more things to do around the tournament, either before, during, or after golf that aren't necessarily golf, whether that's having a concert, whether that's having a, uh, I, I don't know. I don't even know what it could be, but take that, non-golf acreage and put it to use to hold the amount of people who are there, frankly, just to drink. And if you want to come to a golf tournament to get drunk, I mean, it's a really expensive way to get drunk, but have at it. Like that's totally fine. But then you have to be able to accommodate those people in a way that also at the same time allows the golfers to do their job. And at the same time, the golfers also have to realize if you're playing this tournament, you should expect a certain subset of things. For Zach Johnson to say, you know, I've been coming to this tournament for 21 years and it's always been inappropriate or over the line. Why are you still coming? Like, you're doing this to yourself then. I mean, if you're a multimillionaire, you don't go places where you're not going to have a good time. You've got enough money to be able to make that happen. So I think part of it, a little bit of it is on the players. A little bit of it is on the fans. Well, more of it's probably on the fans. 
a little bit of it's one of the tournament organizers, and a little bit of it is just an unfortunate situation that made all of this kind of go and look bad for one week. You know, and the interesting thing you were talking about, Zach Johnson, um, you know, guys guys can't pick and choose as much where they want to play now when they're outside of that top 50 and that top 70 um, yeah. from their previous year. And so they've got to play their schedule. We were talking to Troy Merritt. He, he said, I, I can't pick and choose my schedule anymore because – I've got to play wherever I can play. And so a guy like that, uh, like Zach Johnson, has to play there. But having said that, you know, it used to be 100,000 a day was huge there. And when you've got 200,000 a day and you have to cut off people coming in and stuff like that, that that really kind of sets things up for the pandemonium that we really saw last week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the, the law of averages just tells you that the more people you're going to let into an event, the less familiar they're going to be with golf as a whole, and the less they're going to be there to watch the golf. I mean, this, I mean, I've gone to Triple Crown races, for example, over the years at uh, at Pimlico in Baltimore. I've gone to the Preakness a couple of different times, and for many years in a row, they promoted for people to go to the infield and not even know that the horses were running just to get drunk and have fun, whatever that was. <laughs> well, eventually if you turn the keys loose to the, the people who aren't there for what you wanted to be there for, well, guess what happens? They start doing porta potty races where you run across the line of porta potty <laughs> and see if people can throw beers at you and knock you off the porta potties. Well, <laughs> that only worked for a couple of years. And then the people got hurt and they realized that was a bad look. So they had to go the other way. And I think maybe maybe it hasn't gotten that level, right? But it's, it's getting close to that level at Phoenix. But there's also at the same time, you can't prevent everybody from acting like a fool. If, if, if that's their goal, if that's their mission, they're going to find their way in, whether you have 100,000 people, 200,000 people, quarter million people. So you kind of have to accept a certain level of zaniness if that's your reputation. But maybe limiting ticket sales to a degree or doing something kind of have waves of people who come in and out of the tournament. I, I don't know how you would handle that, but maybe that's how you try to limit the number of people who wind up being photographed urinating on themselves while they're sitting <laughs> on a stool or any of the other stuff we saw last week. Ryan Ballinger, golfnewsnet.com joining us here on Real Golf Radio. It is entertaining. I don't know if that's the inter- kind of entertainment that they're going for, but it is, as, to your point, it's kind of what that place is known for. A big announcement this week after the Phoenix Open, and that was that, you know, we knew Nike and Tiger were splitting up. Tiger releasing a new brand, Sun Day Red. What's your take on what you saw originally? I can't get over that it's three words. I'm I'm never going to get over that. But I do like the logo. I think I've come around on that. Mm. I I like the abstract Tiger logo. I think I liked it at the start, too. I I originally would have thought if Tiger was going to start his own brand, it would be kind of a silhouette of him doing a fist pump, whether it's the 97 Masters, the 2005 Masters. I mean, take your pick, but the 2019 Masters. I mean, there's there's five really famous silhouettes of him winning the Masters. Take one. Um, And and I thought that was probably the way to go, but I, I think feedback criticism of that being kind of a playoff of the Jordan brand, which Nike has under their umbrella, makes sense. So you got to do something different. It's got to stylistically feel different. I'm fine with that. I think in terms of the clothing, I don't think they're doing anything crazy here. I mean, Tiger talked about cashmere hoodies as though no one's doing them. Well, he missed all of them in the gift shop at the Ryder Cup in Italy. 
what Ralph Lauren does them. Um, which, hey, they're beautiful. They're wonderful. The, the hoodies look pretty good. Uh, the, the, the sweaters look nice. I, I liked how he looked at Riviera with them on. The shoes, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they become a mass market release or if that's just something for Tiger to wear uh, that's not with Joy. But I, I appreciate what he's trying to do. I don't, I don't yet know whether this is meant to be a brand for the masses. Is it kind of like more like Nike was, a, a mass brand? Or is it supposed to be more like a, a Peter Millar or a G4 or a Grayson, which is meant to kind of price people out to a degree to you know have a $110, $150, polo. Nine out of ten people aren't buying that. They're not going to spend that money on a polo. That's just not possible for them. Or yeah. they might buy literally one piece, and that's all they ever buy. So I, I think that that's kind of what they're leaning into is something to try to make this brand feel elite or selective or, or uh, elevated, whatever word you want to use, whatever business jargon you want to use. And we'll see if that works for them. But I think more often than not, people are just going to buy something that looks good with the, the tiger on it, whether that's a t-shirt or a pullover or whatever. And that's probably the end of it. You know, the other thing that's interesting, something that they're providing for him is ownership in this kind of very similar to uh, what Michael Jordan had with Nike, which Nike never gave Tiger. Yeah. And I think that's probably important for him to get involved in a venture like this at this stage of his life. I mean, he is 48 years old. He only has so much more viable playing time on the PGA tour. And even that's limited, right? Maybe the major, you know, majors, his events, and maybe the players, something like that. So to be able to have enough visibility for this brand is important. If you don't play, if you're Tiger Woods and you're not on TV, then the brand's not seen, right? It's right. going to be hard to make it stand out. So I, I think for him, owning a piece of it means a little bit of extra motivation to get out there and go play and be visible and let people see you in your Sunday red, because that means people might buy the stuff and that might mean you get more money from it. So I think that was the right play. I don't think there was any circumstance in which Woods was going to launch a brand and just license his name for a variety of reasons. But probably one of them was learning the disaster that has happened to Jack Nicholas by licensing his name and what's going on with the lawsuits around being able to use his own logo and name and likeness in his design business. And I'm sure Tiger learned some lessons from that and said, that's not going to happen to me. I'm going to own the brand if I'm going to put my name on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good analogy as well. Right. Thanks so much for taking the time. Always good to chat golf with you. Hey, we're counting down. Masters isn't too far away. So um, as we approach March, uh, the one-month countdown is on. Let's go. Uh, exciting stuff. We'll, we'll catch up again, I'm sure, between now and then. But as always, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, guys, so much. Appreciate it. You got it. Ryan Ballinger, golfnewsnet.com, joining us right here on Real Golf Radio.